this Sunday, we are getting near to the end of our series called Real Happy. Uh, what we've been doing over these last several weeks is thinking about the Beatitudes. It's a section of scripture from Matthew chapter 5, uh, where Jesus is preaching the, the Sermon on the Mount. He's sharing these truths with some people. And, and most, most translations of the Bible, as we read them in English, would say, blessed are people who have these different things going on. Uh, what, we've, what we've encountered uh, over these last several weeks is there's a translation that reads, happy are people who experience these things. And what we're discovering in discovering the kind of happiness that Jesus talks about in the Beatitudes is that our happiness is far less dependent on our circumstances and far more dependent on God's light and God's love in and through us. And so this morning, we're going to be reading from the fifth chapter of Matthew. We're going to read the 10th through the 12th verses. Uh, And so if you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd invite you to follow along. It's a short scripture, but it's an important scripture. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Uh, Before we read this, though, let me pray for us. God, as we just sang, we are no longer slaves to fear because we are your children. God, as we gather together this morning, perhaps it's a little scary to be in church. Perhaps it's a little scary to think about the ways that you might show up. Perhaps we are a little scared of looking inward into our hearts and souls. And yet, God, we pray that this morning and this time that we share together would not be a time of fear, not be a time of worry, not be a time where we're afraid, but that, God, this would be a time where you would be comforting us, where you would be shining on us, and, God, where you would be loving us. So we give this time to you, God, and we pray that as we reflect on your word and on our lives, God, would you be speaking to us? Would we be listening for you, and would you be making us more and more like you? with every breath that we take. Amen. Jesus says these things. Happy are people whose lives are harassed because they are righteous, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Happy are you when people insult you and harass you and speak all kinds of bad and false things about you all because of me. Be full of joy and be glad because you have a great reward in heaven. In the same way, people harass the prophets who came before you. My brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Perhaps you have been a kid at one point. We've got uh, some youth in the room, some teenagers in the room. Perhaps you've been a, a child at some point. How many of you can remember being on a playground at some, maybe as like a, a four-year-old, five-year-old, eight or nine-year-old? Okay, Nina can already remember. Uh, how many of you can remember being on a playground and having somebody say something mean about you? Has that ever happened to anybody in this room? It happened to me. I've told the story here before as a sixth grader. I started at a new school. I had a best friend from elementary school, and that friend uh, came up. He was with some other people. I was hoping I was at a new school. I didn't know anybody, so I was looking to this one friend to be a connection and a, hope, a hopeful point. And uh, he, at the time, there was a new movie out, and so uh, he said, uh, hey there, free Willie. 
uh, in reference to like, do you remember? Do you remember that movie about the whale? That was that was me. I've always been a big guy. I was very insulted in that moment. Right? Sometimes we experience this on the playground. Even today, uh, I have to admit that I sometimes will will be somebody who will say insulting words, especially to people who have this sort of thing on uh, in their presence or in their midst. Uh, I will I will tell you. Uh, Ra- is Rachel Stewart in the room? There's Rachel Stewart. Uh, everybody say hi, Rachel. Rachel's been an excellent program coordinator for us this summer. Uh, Rachel has a sweatshirt. It is, I think she says it's the only sweatshirt she owns, uh, and it, it has this on it. It's like UNC or something like that. I've been giving her grief all summer long, and now I don't want you to have to see this nastiness anymore, so there's a black screen. So, so sometimes we receive harassment and insults. Sometimes we insult other people. And it used to be, like when I was a kid, you'd be on the playground and it would happen, right? Like it, you'd be face-to-face with somebody and it would happen. A couple years ago, I heard uh, the comedian Louis C.K. Maybe you're familiar with Louis C.K. Uh, very funny. Uh, probably not appropriate to play his stand-up in here. But he was doing, a, uh, he was doing an interview with Conan O'Brien. And he talked about why he didn't want to give his kids smartphones or access to social media. And he said this. He said that when he was a kid, when, we were, when, when people who were 30 or older like me were kids, you used to have to say something to somebody. Like if you're going to insult somebody, if you're going to say something to somebody, you had to say it to their face and you had to see how they would react. Say it to their face and see how, it, how they would react. So how you talk to somebody not only impacted them, but then it would impact you by seeing how it impacted them. And he said, now with screens and devices, we don't have to deal with the burden of what we've told other people. Harassment and insults are all around us. They're all around us. If you hop on Facebook right now, how many of you have your newsfeed clogged with some sort of harassment or insulting kind of language, usually around like a political candidate, maybe around certain things that are happening in our culture or in our world? What happens in these places of harassment and insult is that, that words turn into whips, and they cause us to recoil in on ourselves. You get insulted about something, and it's kind of like, ooh, that stings. But if you continue to get berated and barraged by harassment and insults, eventually, if you're like me, you end up in the fetal position, and you don't want to do anything. You don't want to talk to anybody. You become completely secluded in your own world. And worst of all, friends, is that this can happen for any multitude of reasons, but what Jesus is talking about this morning in the Gospels, what we're going to talk about here is what happens when this happens to us because of what we believe. What happens when this happens to us because of what we believe? A few years ago, I was in middle school, and my parents had gotten this service. Uh, It came on a a CD-ROM disc, and uh, it was called America Online. Uh, Maybe you remember AOL. And so as an eighth grader, I thought this was really cool. Uh, You know, you'd hear these little, like, just for all the younger people in the room, this was called dial-up internet. And so what happened was uh, you couldn't talk on, all you had was a home phone, uh, or at least that's all we had. So you had to, like, say, okay, we aren't going to take any calls right now, and we're going to do-do-do-do-do-do-do, and then it's going to make this, like, kind of noise, right? Some, some people in the room know what I'm talking about. Okay, so you get online to AOL, and there would be a chat room. So, so this, is, this is who I was. When I was an eighth grader, uh, my username on AOL was DA, 
D-A, letter D, letter A, Bible guy. The Bible guy. That's right, because I was clever. All right, so, so I remember uh, going to my church youth group and having our youth pastor say something about, you should, like, you should be telling people about Jesus wherever you go, even if it's on the internet. So I make this username, the Bible guy, and I'm going to go talk to some people in an AOL chat room about the Lord. There's already laughter, because we're all in the future together. And so that did not go well. I remember, I remember the very first thing. I was like, hey, uh, you know, I, I said something like, I really love God, and I hope all of you do too, or something like that, you know, real, real evangelistic kind of phrase. Uh, I remember somebody wrote back something I had literally never heard before at that age, which was, they were like, uh, your God isn't real. Go to... Uh, H-E double hockey sticks. They said it just like that, and it was like goofy. Uh, no, they didn't say it like that. But they, right, so, like, so, so it was this very insulting kind of moment. I didn't know what to think. What was it like for me to receive this word? What is it like when we're insulted for our faith? Here's the thing. The words and insults that tend to get directed to us, think about the UNC illustration, think about this, think about all of this. Usually people will insult us for a part of who we are for a part of who we are so like the fact if you if you're a fan of a certain team yeah you probably like that team a lot you watch their games you go to their games you do all that sort of thing but that's just a part of who you are sometimes maybe you you get insulted because of maybe like what you do for a living or or how much you study if you're a kid or something like that Sometimes we get insulted for parts of who we are. Here's the challenge. It's easy to take these pieces about the pieces of us and pretend like that makes up our whole truth. We take pieces of the pieces and say, this is our whole. When in reality, maybe that isn't the whole picture. Maybe there's more to us. Maybe there's more to the story than just what somebody else wants to tell us that's going to make us feel lousy about ourselves. This is why Jesus will say about being harassed and insulted. Did you catch how he says it at the, at the end of this section of text? He says, be full of joy and be glad because you have a great reward in heaven. In the same way, people harassed the prophets who came before you. Think about some of those people who came before. People like Jeremiah. Anybody remember Jeremiah? Jeremiah was in the Old Testament doing his thing. And Jeremiah would say at one point some a relatively famous uh, verse. Do you, does anybody know what Jeremiah 29, 11 says by chance? It's like Bible drill. Uh, so, uh, it's, do I hear it? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, right? It sounds like it's this great uplifting thing. You hear it a lot, right? It's like, ooh, yeah, I feel goosebumps. I'm good. Like, all this is good. Do you know what Jeremiah was going through? when this was happening, when he speaks this word of grace and truth and wonder, is that people are ready to like tear him apart. Everybody's frustrated, everybody's upset, and nobody's happy with Jeremiah. He's being torn down, he's being insulted, and yet, rather than taking the, that piece that's a part of who he is, he expresses the wholeness of who he is in God's love. Think about after Jesus talks, there's this guy named Paul. Paul, who was once Saul, who's, who's going to go and share, share some good news. He writes a bunch of the books that we read in the Old Testament. In Acts chapter 9, when, when Paul is, is experiencing his conversion, 
the Bible tells us that God says to Ananias, he's going to talk to, to Saul, who will become Paul, he says, he will suffer for my name's sake. God knows that it is going to be a hard path for Paul. And yet, what does Paul do? He doesn't concentrate on his suffering. He doesn't concentrate on the pieces. He concentrates on the whole of who he is. I think about in modern day, there's a guy named Shane Claiborne. He founded a group called The Simple Way. It's a monastic movement that started in the late 90s in Philadelphia. And Shane Claiborne travels the country, speaks, and and does all sorts of things. And he, he says this about faith. He says, I met Jesus and he wrecked my life. I met Jesus and he wrecked my life. The more I read the gospel, the more it messed me up, turning everything I believed in, valued, and hoped for upside down. I am still recovering from my conversion. And yet, Shane Claiborne is probably one of the foremost writers of the faith today. One of the people that when we need answers about what's happening from a faith perspective, we might go to this guy. This is a piece of his struggle, but he still understands the whole of who he is. Sometimes, friends, it's easy to look at the pieces. It's easy to look and see the the parts that hurt us, the parts that challenge us, maybe even when it comes to our faith, the words that we have to endure and the challenges we have to face because we follow Jesus. And so the question we have to wrestle with is do we stay in that fetal position? Do we stay in that place where we feel just concerned and we're reserved? Or do we take a step in boldness, trusting in who we are and whose we are? Maybe the question we had asked is this. Do we play it safe or do we keep it real? Do we play it safe or do we keep it real? Here's what I hope you know. We talked about the cupcake with children earlier. The idea that the cupcake remains a cupcake no matter what happens to it. And that just like a cupcake is a cupcake no matter what, you are a child of God no matter what. I talked about, I talk about him somewhat frequently. There's a pastor in Florida named George Acevedo that I look up to. And at his church, Grace, they say something every single week that they, it's just a part of who they are, a part of their identity, something that they say over and over again. So they have everybody stand together and say, I am a cog pal. I am a cog pal. Can we say that together? I am a cog pal. Now, what the heck is a cog pal? That sounds weird, right? It sounds ridiculous. It sounds like something made up or fictional. But here, it's a simple idea, but the truth of the wholeness of who each of us is designed to be. I am a cog pal. I am a child of God and person of worth. Child of God, person of worth. If you don't take anything else away from this morning, if you, if you don't take anything else away from today, please take this away. You are a child of God and a person of worth. You are a child of God and a person of worth. Nobody can ever take that from you. Nobody can ever say anything or do anything or anything like that that is ever going to change that truth about who you are. God is so madly and deeply in love with you that God would do anything for you. But what God doesn't ever say in the Scriptures is that being a Christian is going to be easy. It's not in there. I've, I've read it some. It, it's, not, it's not in there. It's not that being a Christian, it's not that following Christ is going to be easy. It's that maybe it's going to be worth it. 
Maybe it's going to be the type of thing that changes you and changes your life, changes your perspective. Maybe it's going to be the type of thing that changes somebody else. I want to respect this space, and I want to respect where you're at. Some of you in this room have been harassed and insulted in ways that are unfair, in ways that have challenged you and changed you, in ways that have caused you to experience hurt and harm in a way that I don't even know. If that's happened because of your faith, I am deeply, deeply sorry. But what I want you to know is that whatever has been done to you and whatever's been said to you is not you. It's not your fault. It's not your truth. And it's not God's character to see you in that light. God's character time and time again is to say that you are a person of grace, that you are a person who is of value, and that you are a person who is loved. That's something that I need to hear constantly. In this world where we are quick on the trigger to say something hurtful, to receive something hurtful, to see in ourselves something less than who God designed us to be, I think I need to know, and I think we all need to know, that you are loved and you are a cogpow, a child of God and a person of worth. But I don't think it just stops with us hearing this. I don't think it just stops with us saying like, okay, all right, I'm good. This is all right. I can receive this. I can own this. This can be my story patting ourselves on the back, and then going about our lives the exact same way we were up until 20 minutes ago. I think when we own this about ourselves, it means that we own it about others too. I think the question maybe that we wrestle with this morning, the question that I hope you take with you is this. Who can I love for the sake of the gospel? Who can we, who can I love for the sake of the gospel? I want to tell you this, it starts with you. For some of you, you have been believing something about yourself that's not true for a really long time. And you need to be able to look in the mirror and say that this isn't a piece of junk, this isn't a screw-up, this isn't somebody who's flawed, somebody who's just constantly in trouble, somebody who's constantly screwing up. No, this is a cog pal, child of God, person of worth then I hope you can look across the table. That you can look down the street. That you can look on your phone and see other people, not for their political agenda, not for their rooting interest, but see cogpals all over the place lining your wall lining your Twitter stream, lining your neighborhood, lining your school, lining this world. Because when our perspective is that we're not talking with somebody who's just a Republican or a Democrat, we're not talking with a Tar Heel or a Blue Devil, a Hokie or a Cavalier, we're not talking with somebody who's black or white, when we're talking to people who are children of God, persons of worth, first and foremost, it changes the conversation. It changes how we talk, it changes how we act, and it sure as heck changes how we live. 
And that's what it means to be really happy in the midst of harassment and insults, is that we don't buy, we don't take that those things that are said about us that hurt us are the final truth about who God made us to be. That that might be somebody's perspective for a little while, but that God didn't screw up when God made you. God didn't screw up when God made me. God didn't screw up when God called this community together to be a church called Fieldstone. God didn't screw up when God said, hey, if you're from Corinth or Cortland or Nova or St. Tom, wherever you're from, God didn't screw up when God said, hey, come hang out here for a week and serve other people. God is not in the habit of screwing up and God's not in the habit of calling what God has made junk. God's in the habit of loving us and pursuing us, and saying that we are God's kids and that we are loved. So I hope that's something that you can own, something that you can receive, and something that you can proclaim. And I hope that by owning that about yourself, you're able to own it about others. And maybe that means that you don't need to be quiet about your faith. For me, that moment when I was a kid in school, uh, ever since then, I've had a certain reticence. I'm a pastor. It's my job to share Jesus with other people. But sometimes I get a little bit concerned. What will somebody think of me if I start talking about Jesus? What will somebody think about me if I'm sharing God's love? What will somebody think of me if I say God's name? Do you know what? What other people think about you means so much less than what God thinks about you and how God values you and cherishes you and loves you no matter what. And you might be the person that changes somebody's life. You might be the light that opens somebody else's door. So in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through, let me say these things as just kind of a wrap-up. If you're experiencing hurt, harassment, or insults, don't be quiet about that. That's not a battle for you to fight on your own. There are people in this room who love you enough that want to hear from you about that. I'll be that person for you. If, if there's somebody else that you're more comfortable with, talk to somebody about that because that's not something for you to do on your own. Talk to somebody. Believe the truth that God has made you for so much more. That you are a God pal, a child of God, person of worth. And then think about how are you uniquely gifted to share that news with somebody else? Maybe not just one person. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it starts with one and it grows. But what's your, what's your vehicle? What's your voice? Where you can say to somebody, you're a child of God. You're a person of worth. You matter. You are loved. You are God's masterpiece. It changes the conversation. It changes the action. And it changes lives all over this world. Let's pray together. God, this morning we come to you and we ask that you would remind us, God, that in the midst of whatever is spoken about us, whatever we've heard from other people that's a piece of who we are, that we've believed is the whole of who we are. God, remind us that the real truth, the fundamental truth, the whole truth, that we are your kids, that we are worthwhile, and that we are your masterpiece. God, enable us to receive that truth no matter what it is we're walking through. We pray for those people in this room who are being harassed and insulted. 
For those people who are having to deal with hard words, harsh words, things that are unfair or untrue, we pray, God, that You would be at work to shine Your light, to share Your heart, and to share hope and love and the promise of a new tomorrow with those persons. Enable all of us, God, to be an open ear and an open shoulder to lean on and to listen to those who are hurt and need some help. God, we pray for all of us that we would own that we are Your kids and Your masterpiece. And we pray, God, that it would be our primary message that wherever we go, whoever we are engaged with, and whatever it is You call us to do, God, that You would allow that to be our voice. Rather than seeing who somebody roots for, who somebody votes for, or what somebody thinks or believes, help us to see each person as an opportunity to share Your love and to share Your light. We pray that You would empower us, that You would heal us, and that you would love us, God. And ask this in your name. Amen.